this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, today we're going to continue the series on the Enneagram and the Gospel. Today, we have interviews with Joe Saxton, a type eight, and Carlos Whitaker, a type nine. We are excited for you to hear how the gospel message for each of the Enneagram types is transforming them. We'll start today's episode with Joe Saxton. Joe Saxton is the author, speaker, podcaster, and entrepreneurial coach. Born to Nigerian parents and raised in London, Joe brings a multicultural and international perspective to her leadership training for women. She is the co-host of the podcast Lead Stories and also equips women in leadership through her leadership coaching. Joe is the author of four books, including her most recent, Ready to Rise. Well, here's our interview with Joe. Hey, Joe, it's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone just to kind of hear what it is like to, and I call eights snowplows, because they plow a path for others. And I would just can't wait for our listeners to hear what God has done in and through you as a wonderful type eight woman who is blessing others with the goodness of God and, and his uh, truth. So in that, let's back up just a little bit. And how did you learn about the Enneagram? What's your journey been like in finding that you're a type eight? And yeah, just take us down your path. Um, I think when, when did I first hear of it? You know, I, I do like the whole personality kind of explorations. I never want to say test because everybody freaks out, but I, <laughs> I'm not going to use that word. It's like anathema. So um, I've always been fascinated by them. And I remember like um, for a long while looking at Myers-Briggs and things like that. And I'd heard of the Enneagram on and off for years, to be honest, for years, mm-hmm. it almost like it came into view. And then, do you know what I mean? So I was familiar with it, but I wasn't aware of it in detail. And I think it was the phase when people were still freaking out about its validity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know right. I mean? um, <laughs> so, uh, and then I, I think just the communities I was working with and people would mention it more and more and um, how they find it really helpful. And because I do a lot of work with developing leaders, yes. I love, I love um, any kind of resource that is, that, almost give someone a neutral way to look at where they're at and they're into relational things. And I think because I, although I didn't know much about the Enneagram, I knew it was ancient. Do you know what I mean? I knew it, it had gone yes. through a journey over the test of time. So I thought, well, that's going to be a fascinating thing. Um, <laughs> and as I looked at some of the, I remember someone saying, what do you think you are? And I said, look, just find the one where it's really not comfortable for a woman to be it. Um, <laughs> yes. Just find yes. the one awesome. where yeah. she gets called all the names. Um, and for the wow. guy, they're seen as the dynamic leader, but the woman's called all these other things, which for yes. the sake of your audience, I will leave to your imagination. Uh, yes. um, I said, I'm that one. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. So I, so because of that, I actually didn't look at it in a while because I, I because I thought well, if the names I get called so um and I know the stereotypes and it wasn't I must have had I don't know a break or something and I looked in a little more deeply and then I thought actually there is so much more here for me to discover in terms of um just um exploring the journey I think there were things that I knew intuitively that were just unpacked for me and um things that I things that I'd kind of suspected um and, and I think 
first time I read about it, I think I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to feel miserable now. <laughs> I'm just gonna, it's just going to have it like your insides poured out in front of you. Um, so it was quite the journey. It wasn't a journey to embrace um, yeah. because it, it was it was kind of obvious to me in that respect. Um, but it was a journey to go deeper with because I knew it wasn't going to be a lighthearted journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's so, I think, so much more powerful because most people come to the Enneagram thinking it's going to be this party game. It's going to be fun because everyone else is enjoying it so much for some reason. And then they get into it and it's like, wow, ouch, like that hurts. But I think you came into it knowing, no, it's going to reveal a lot of good, but also the parts of me that, that can be really like, I don't want people to see this. I don't even want to see that in myself. Um, And I think by taking that approach is actually more beneficial Mm. because that's reality, you know, and, and you're, especially as an eight, you're ready to deal with, with what's at hand. Would you agree? Yes. Definitely a bring it on moment. (laughs) I'm here now. And I think there has been those phases, hasn't there at large where we've looked at various things, which have explored our personality. So I can, I can understand why we would kind of be like, okay, let's go. I've done this check this one check. And you're like, Oh no, this wasn't as nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, I think, by the time it was time to engage, I was ready. I was as ready as I was ever going to be. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, the interesting questions that we've asked other people that we've interviewed is how the Enneagram gave language or at least gave perspective Mm -hmm. on how they understood their life or explained why they were experiencing what they were. When, when you think about being an eight, how did that start to show up in your life early on from like when you're a family or when you're in a family, when you're a kid, those kinds of things? Oh gosh. Yeah. I think it was almost like the more I explored the eight, the more I'm like, Oh, so basically you're telling me the story of my life then. That's great. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because, Because I think it explains so much. I think, um, in terms of the feeling, the vulnerability and the feeling powerlessness, powerlessness. I, I spent my first six years in foster care and, mm. and actually, to be honest, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I don't, I often don't talk about it, not because I'm embarrassed in any way, but because it was like, it was actually really positive. And so I don't actually think about it being a thing. Um, mm. but at the same time, as you grow up in, as you grow up and engage in the world, um, there are certainly habits in terms of trust and how easy it was to detach from relationships and all of those things. And in terms of your innocence and whether you ever felt you're innocent, all of those things are just, they, they became just who I was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, wow. And I, and I think, but honestly, I think it's more in my early twenties than my college years when yeah. I think if I imagine going back to that time and I just said to the people then, Hey, I'm an Enneagram aid. I think it would have saved me a lot of pain and saved them a lot of pain. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just yeah. talk about this? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Yes. Because of the interactions of um, the amount of times I was told I wasn't vulnerable enough and I wasn't really letting people in and me like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is just how I am. Or times when people were, were I was too bold or too yes. loud. And I'm like, did I did I hurt somebody's feelings? Because I thought they asked me to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think there were lots of relational hits, hits that were collisions and misses that were just agonizing that I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to do. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. intending to do. And I think then feeling massively wounded by things that people, I remember one of my friends who helped me a lot and he said, you know, he said, I know um, once people have said to you about not being vulnerable, I, he said, I actually think we don't see where the vulnerability is. I don't think you're not mm-hmm. being, I think we just come not to recognize it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The things that are vulnerable to you, we, we just don't appreciate that that's what's going mm-hmm. on. And I, yes. and it was so liberating for him to, to hear that. Um, because I think people didn't realize quite how wounded um, certain things in my life were because they may not have mm-hmm. been the things that were known. Yeah. Um, well, and like I said earlier, I talk about um, eights being snowplows and we're not talking about the Ford pickup truck with a little shovel on the front. We're talking about the big diesel snowplows yeah. that have to be put on the highways to clear that foot, two feet of snow. Yeah. And, the thing about that is, is that, you know, here you're an eight and you're in this big diesel snowplow and you have a job, you know, at hand mm-hmm. and eights are like, yes, I'm going to get this job done. Yeah. Well, that can be a really great thing because we need, you know, these eights to plow a path um, in front of us that they're gifted to. But a lot of times they don't recognize, oh, there's a car on the side of the road or, yeah. you know, maybe in front of me. And like you said, your heart intention was to do the work ahead of you, but you didn't necessarily realize how it may have nicked someone on the side of the road when they said, wow, that hurt. You're like, wait, what? You were there? I didn't even, I didn't even see you. Like I wasn't my intention. And I think like you said, if you could go back and explain people, what I'm hoping when people hear about AIDS and experience AIDS, that they're not seeing the words that are on a page, that they're bold, they're blunt, that they're seeing that this is a very tender hearted person who wants to plow a path, that they have the capacity, the ability to protect, to move forward, um, a great amount of people, a calling. Um, but a lot of people don't see that because of the strength and what they would say is a tem- intimidation. Do you get that a lot? Like you're intimidating and you're surprised by what they say? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I would, I am less so now, um, now people don't tell me. <laughs> Before they um, and I, I definitely just your very presence in a room, um, yes. your very, um, response to something like it's almost like you go in the room before you go in the room and I'm tall as well um and I'm often in spaces particularly now where I might be the only woman in a room or and the only um black person in the room so I think there was there were lots of in terms of plowing there was there have been lots of environments where the plow has been moving um yes and and so showing up in those spaces or having an opinion in those spaces or stands out anyway. And then, yeah. and then um, being innate in those spaces, asking the questions that you ask or making the statements that you do and knowing that. And I, and I think even like knowing that sometimes you are nicking the car on the road, but almost, mm-hmm. well, everybody hurts. So let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or like I've heard some eights say, why were you there? Like, yeah. I, you know, I need to plow the path. Like, <laughs> why didn't you move over? You know? Absolutely. So yeah, I yeah. Think that's, that's def- definitely, um, and I think it's been harder in relational contexts, um, mm-hmm. yes. where 
people have said, I mean, I, there were times when I changed how I dressed because I just thought, let's give it a try. Do you know what I mean? Let's yeah. see if that will help people not be as intimidated. I remember there was one time, <laughs> one time, this might be about 10 years ago when I changed my hair and it was straight. I can't remember what I did, but I changed it from what it was because I thought, okay, people keep saying they find me intimidating. Maybe if I, I do the curls or, or something. And, the, and then I met this um, woman who it was just a kind of business lunch with a woman who was a lawyer downtown. She goes, I have to say, when I first met you, I found you so intimidating. And I just thought, sack it. I'm going to have my hair whatever way I want because I, you met me at the time <laughs> and I changed my hair to be more accessible yes. and it didn't work. <laughs> and it didn't yes. work. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does. It, and it, it's a relief. It's an absolute relief when I'm in contexts where that's not the guiding light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, too, cause we have three women on our team that are eights mm-hmm. and I love it. They are like the greatest thing to my world because I know that they've got my back yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. They are protecting me. They're looking out for me. Um, and I can really rest assured in their abilities. And I think one thing that other people don't know much about eights, and then we'll get into kind of the core motivations of eight right after this is, how tender the heart of an eight is. And a lot of people don't see that or experience that because the eights do put up this very strong exterior, like a mm-hmm. big diesel snowplow. But really inside, there's this very tender heart that is concerned for their own well-being and especially those closest around them, um, which gets into, so the core fear of the eight is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. And the desire is to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. Mm. Now, the core weakness of the eight is constantly desiring intensity, control, and power, and pushing them willfully on others in life to get what they desire. Um, But what they long to hear is that they will not be betrayed. So just hearing just the core motivations of eight, what sticks out the most and kind of pokes at your heart. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms? who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. in different ways I think I could look at different chapters like I think the powerlessness one is probably has been the biggest one the vulnerability was as was a bit of a deal but 
but now I'm like, honestly, I that's not as I think. I think once you've, I've been blessed with good relationships where I've discovered that mm-hmm. safety. So mm-hmm. when I often see like the memes on you hate being vulnerable, I'm like, no, I don't actually. <laughs> that, that's not uh, not not anymore. But I think the powerlessness yeah. one has has probably been the the le- the most the loudest of all of them. And um, sure. I mean, and I. And I and the thing of being manipulated or left at the mercy of injustice, partly at, on a personal level, but also at a larger societal at large level. You know, as a woman yeah, leader, yes. um, I'd like to get paid what the guys get paid. Do you know Some of it is in the in the warp and weft of our, our everyday life um, of, um, of of being in context or roles where you want to be equal and where you realize you're fighting or trying to do more in order to be perceived as equal. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably been the, and the powerlessness of how do you change somebody's perception? Because if you've Mm. already walked in the room and you're intimidating, when you've already walked in the room and you're too much or you're not enough or your, your womanhood is an offense or your blackness is an offense. um, It's almost like, well, can't win. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so that has been something that has, on a professional level, I've constantly wrestled with mm. um, and, const- and has constantly been in mind of how do you, but how do you reckon with things when they are so often yeah. reinforced do you know, do you know, at a societal yeah. level, you know? Um, well, Joe, it, it does uh, make me think because, you know, all of the nine types are going to experience these dynamics mm. Uh, women of each of the nine types. Yeah. How do you respond to some of these injustices or assumptions that people make about you? But how do you respond to it as an eight? Are you inclined to immediately challenge it? Are you inclined to create a safe space for everyone for that to be named so that you can move on to what the goals of the meeting would be? Mm-hmm. So how do you, how are you inclined to react? Yeah, I think I've done different things over the years, um, and to my to my peril, I've done I've tried different <laughs> sure, things. Sure, sure. So I think in the early years, it, I think the intensity led the way, where I'd overwork to prove myself. Um, yes. But I think now I'm more. I think now I'm. The naming is key for me to to have an honest conversation because I find myself saying things that maybe others might feel afraid to say. Because I'm not just doing yes. it for me. I'm doing it for every woman I interact with. You know, we've got bills to yes. pay and families to raise or a single life to be able to set ourselves up financially secure for. Um, and so I think it, it's almost, it's, I, I find myself um, being very blunt about those conversations now um, mm-hmm. because changing my hair didn't change my pay. So <laughs> That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I find myself being honest about them and almost feeling like, well, it's it's uncomfortable anyway. It's I'm right. you misperceived anyway. So what have I got to lose, really? But yes. I, I, I do believe in having social skills as we as we do those things. <laughs> I mean, I think that's always helpful. But I, I but it's made me. I think it's shaped me in the sense of watch when I've like I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, I was in a conversation with a friend of mine and we were speaking at, a, at the same event, and she was incredible, and she got paid twenty percent of what I got paid. 20%. Oh, wow. And and I said, this is why we need to have these conversations. This is why we yeah. bring it out into the light. Because this is this is, is inequitable. Um, mm. This isn't right. Uh, uh, and... The- well, I think it's funny that... Did you bring up 
the question of compensation to her. Yeah. <laughs> so she probably wasn't wanting to talk about it. But <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I think we brought up, we, we talked about all the um, expenses and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then she said, and then she said, actually, then she said, I've got a while. Oh, okay. But, gotcha. but that was probably the, I've had that conversation multiple times. That was probably one of the only times that person asked. Normally I'm like, okay, yeah. let me know when you're ready. Sometimes I say to people, let me know when you're ready to talk about money here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me know when you're ready to explore. Them. Well, I mean, what a what a great question, though. I, I I love the fact that as an aide, it's not we need to talk about money right now. It's the eight moving to I, I want to be an advocate for you. Let's talk about money when you're ready. Yeah. Which is two different ways for an eight to approach an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. So you, because you're you're talking as if, well, this is just what needed to happen. This is yeah. just what you do. And I'm like. I'm a nine and I have an eight wing and that's not what I do. (laughs) Meaning I would have to go through a lot of inner work to get up enough energy, enough confidence or enough, uh, just uh, almost everything to approach those kind of conflicts, those kinds of tension moments, even though I know it's the right thing. Now, if I really see a hot button, that's there is injustice. That eight in me is awesome. It rises up and it gets me moving. Mm -hmm. But what I want to highlight for people is the gift an eight brings naturally. You are wired. God has given you the ability to see the injustices, even if it's, you know, an injustice to you or an injustice to someone else and to call it out and to know, hey, you know, people might be upset, but it just needs to be set. Yeah. You know, things need to be right. And I just want to highlight how beautiful that is, what a strength that is. And like Jeff just highlighted how you're doing it in a way, and I'm sure it's been over years of learning what yeah. to do, not to do, <laughs> but you're learning, here's a healthy way to use the gift that I have as an eight to speak on the behalf of those that won't be spoken of, you know, to make sure that injustices are right. And I just think that's such a beautiful dynamic. And if we can kind of shift into that Mm. core longing, and I think that's where a lot of the passion of the eight comes from, is the eights long to hear that you will not be betrayed. Mm. And because that's such a core longing, that's why you plow a path for others. Like, no, I will not betray you. I will have your back. I will make sure that someone is providing. And so what we love about the gospel is that the truth of the gospel says to an eight is that you will not be betrayed. And God demonstrates that one, because we are so weak. You know, we try to be strong as humans, but we are weak, but he is strong, protective and completed what he set out to accomplish. And then that he also tells us he will neither betray nor forsake us. How does that message change everything for you that Christ has secured you know, that he is there for you and protecting you a hundred percent. I mean, I think it's, for me, it's so foundational in terms of that, in terms of, um, well, a couple of things, one that we're made in the image of God. Um, so, so no matter how intimidating or whatever I am, he, he, I'm, it wasn't an accident. I mean, God didn't be like, oh my gosh, right. I made an eight. What happened? Yeah. Kind of thing. It, it, <laughs> yes. I made an exactly. I was, I was trying on loading, loading, or I made an eight woman. Do you know what I mean? Um, right. That it wasn't a shock to him. And I, I think to know that, that, that Jesus redeemed my story. Um, yes. And I think I'm really drawn by him, by Jesus, um, making all things new and that he he has been faithful not to his own ends but for who I am um 
has given me a level of a level of a foundation and confidence where it's like I'm I don't actually have to morph into your expectations of how I'm wired. Yeah. I don't have to minimize how I've been wired. I need to live fully um, and redeemed into the fullness of how he made me because he made this and I cannot make my contribution into the world um if I'm trying to be something else if I'm trying to do something else and and so and so I think the sense or I think it I think honestly it's just giving me a it's a grounding and a security of mm-hmm. ne- you won't be left you won't be forsaken you're actually not as powerless as you might feel in this moment I am with you yeah. I am here and I'm with the you that you are not the you that you are expected to be or you yeah. feel or real or perceived um and I think I, I do love that because yeah. it seems like each type that we speak with they there is a lack of confidence or at least a they wish they were another type and that there is even something of a part of an eight that's thinking like, I've got, I have to deal with this. I have to learn how to steward yeah. my personality yeah. with all of its strengths and liabilities. Yeah. And so even for the most confident of the Enneagram types, yeah. they're still having to wrestle with this same idea. How do I steward the person whom God's made me to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great word, actually, steward, because I think a lot of AIDS that, that I've talked to will say that they feel like the world is trying to edit them, that yes. they need to edit themselves. And that's what you were saying with your hair and, and dressing different. And I think the word steward is a much uh, more biblical mindset. Okay. God has created me as a, a beautiful type eight that can do things that other types were not naturally designed to do. And how can I steward that in a way that my heart is aligned with the truth of the gospel, knowing my full identity and living that out, you know, with others. And, and when I am around eights that are like that, it truly is the, the most remarkable type to be around. I, I literally cannot even explain how safe and protected I am. And here's the thing that's so interesting about eights is a lot of people think, oh, well, eights just want to show up and they want to challenge and they want to, you know, get in arguments. I'm like, no, they don't. They're actually looking for the stronger one, the leader to, to lead well. And if there's not one, they will stand up. Mm -hmm. But the good news of the gospel is that God is the real leader. He is the good shepherd. And that is where the heart of an eight can fully rest, finally rest, knowing that they are protected in him. So with that, we would love to move into you and what you've got going on, your books. and Yeah. So if if you would, because Beth and I were, um, prior to our interview, we were looking through uh, each of your books. So tell us the titles of the books that you've written so far. Okay, um, so the first, oh gosh, there's been, there's been a few over the years that some of them yep. came out in England. Um, there was one called Real God, Real Life. I think that's out of print now, so that's that'll, that'll reappear in a, under a thousand <laughs> years to come, who knows. Um, there's one called High Heels and Holiness that I wrote with a friend. Um, and then most recently, um, it, there's one here, it's called More Than Enchanting, and in the rest of the world, it's called Influential. And that's what, because um, yeah. from that point on, I started writing more about women leadership and about identity. Um, then um, The Dream of You, which looks at, um, and the subtitle is um, Letting Go of Broken Identities to Live the Life You're Made For. Um, yeah. And then most recently, Ready to Rise um, yes. is Own Your Voice um gather your community and step into your influence and i and i think in some ways they were they were all part of your your own books are aren't they they're just kind of you vomiting yourself on the world so they're part of your own journey <laughs> right? in some way um 
So, yeah. Well, what's interesting is that now, hey, we're swimming in the waters of the Enneagram all the time, but we immediately saw just the thread of eightness Mm -hmm. through many of those titles. How has your Enneagram type shown up in your books for the sake of others? Um, I think I probably, probably, um, the, in some ways the motivation to write them, um, has, because a lot of them were the responses to conversations I've had with people. Um, like I don't go away and get ideas. I, you know, (laughs) I just, I don't, Mm. I don't do that very well. But if I, if I'm encountering somebody like with high heels and holiness, it was encountering some, um, um, a number of women who were like, no one's going to decide for me. What am I going to do? With influential and more than enchanting, it was like, what am I meant to do as a woman who leads? I think with the dream of you, it was directly, I mean, directly going to events, women's events, and thinking these are gifted, incredible, talented women. I don't understand what's happening here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, seriously, I'm a business, like millionaires through to teenagers who had all this gift about them who were basically apologizing for who they were. And, mm. um, and it's like, okay, let us plow. <laughs> yes. Let yes. us plow path. And, um, and even in it, I begin with that, with that one, I began every chapter with a letter to a particular, and they were all models of women I'd met. They were all, um, people who I'd, and not, I tried to make it people who I'd met more than once. Do you know what I mean? I'd seen that type of person mm-hmm. once because I wanted to be sure. I thought, if this is a real issue, let's go there then. Um, so I think in some ways the ain't this, in some it's also in the bluntness because I like to be blunt. Yeah. I, d- I yeah. do remember yeah. having conversations with the publishers about the last book, about the use of some of the language I used. And they said, you know, women aren't called that. And I said, yes, they are. I said, I said the rude words remain, but, um, not yes. because I'm saying I believe in them. I'm just saying that's what these women have had to hear. So we have to sure. give voice to what they've heard because it has stained their psyche um, for yeah. the very positions they're in. So, so yeah. I, you know, what I love about this is that your it creates safety, but it also reflects something of the character of God in his passionate pursuit mm. for our joy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to think that you are writing these books so that all these women and men um, to be able to thrive mm-hmm. under the path that you have created for them and to have someone who's advocating for you so that whatever is in you that's getting in your way, whether it, well, it could be external or internal um, that here is someone who is passionately for you where you're, you're literally mentoring people from your eightness to be who they are called to be. They're called to be. Yeah. yeah. And you're giving voice to them. You're, you're, you know, kind of patting them on the back and, and with a little push, That's right. <laughs> you know, yes. like you can do this. Like I am, I'm literally laying this out for you and I'm yeah. encouraging you and I'm spearheading it for you. And, um, and that is why we love doing these kind of interviews because it lets people see how we need all nine types. Yeah. And yeah. when we're, our hearts are aligned with the truth of the gospel, we will not only glorify God, but we will truly bless people in ways that is just so profound and meaningful. And a lot of times we didn't even know it was there. But once we step out in faith and follow His calling in our life and live it out, it 
it changes the world. Mm -hmm. And so we're just really thankful for the hard work you're doing. It's definitely not easy. And especially when you get a lot of pushback, or I would say Enneagram eight women are some of the most misunderstood on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say the most, because then there's going to be another type saying, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But I do think you are very misunderstood and yet to represent your type so well and so articulately show the heart of an eight, the the passion, the love, the protection means so much to well the rest of us to learn, but also for the other women that are eights out there to plow that path before them and to show the beauty um, that God has created in you. So Thank you, Joe, so much for just being here with us, being real, being honest, which, of course, eights are, so we love that. Um, But just being vulnerable and then sharing your gift through all of your resources. Where can people follow you and kind of get to know you more? Yeah, um, they there's a range of spaces. I mean, like all of us, I seem to live on the Instagrams. So, Joe <laughs> um, <laughs> Saxton, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and then JoeSaxton.com will let you know all the books. Um, I have a coaching platform for women leaders that people can um, join. Kind of ex- ex- like, well, there's a free trial, so they can experiment with it or whatever. But um, so, if in doubt, JoeSaxton.com will lead you to all the other spaces. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you again so much. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you. Our second guest today is Carlos Whitaker. Carlos is an author, speaker, and self-professed hope dealer. He speaks at some of the largest churches in the country and at conferences, including the Orange Conference, Catalyst, MomCon, and many others. A People's Choice Award winner and host of a popular podcast, he is also the author of Moment Maker and Kill the Spider and his newest work, Enter the Wild. So here's our interview with Carlos. Hey, Carlos, it's so great to have you. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yes. And I'm really thrilled, to be honest, because I feel like you're my twin. So let's start there. When did you find that you were type nine? And what was that journey like? Yeah, gosh, you know, the journey, um, people that live in Nashville or have they understand that Enneagram in Nashville, Tennessee comes up in every conversation, every dinner party, every, it just is, it's a way of life in in this town. And so I I think it was probably 2015 that um, we were having dinner with Annie, Annie Downs. And she was, you know, she she called me something, some number. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she's like, oh my gosh, like, you're like me, you're a seven. And I was like, oh, what's a seven? And then, so she, you know, life at the party, da, 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 da. And so as she's explaining, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what people think I am. Like, this is actually, but they just have no idea that this is not who I am. So that the fact that she was so passionate at this dinner party about me being um, this extroverted life of the party has to be around people. I was like, oh, she has no idea that I've the last seven movies I've watched, I've watched alone in the movie theater. Like, like she would <laughs> never in a thousand years do that. <laughs> and so, it sent me on this journey um, towards uh, trying to figure it out, you know, so I, you know, I, I hopped on Google and, you know, I don't even know what website popped up in 2015, but um, a website did and I started reading and I, and I, w- I went straight to the seven uh, and I was like, okay, I can totally see why people would assume this about me. Um, but nothing about it, like made me feel alive. Nothing about, and th- that's the thing w- when you, for me, when I finally read the nine, like, I felt alive. Something in me like exploded. Yeah, I mean, we all have that moment when we realize that's me. How could they be reading my my thoughts and all yes. these things? And when I read that, um, I was like, "This is me. This this is one hundred percent me." Now, um, 
I, I did have a little bit of, of pushback in my own psyche and in my own ethos, yeah. you know, back and forth, because there, obviously we understand the Enneagram is not perfect mm-hmm. and nothing is going to, you know, pinpoint somebody perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and there were things in me that I was like, well, I'm a little bit of this and I'm a little bit of that. And I'm a little bit of three and I'm a little bit of five. But then the more I researched seven or nines, I was like, well, that's also a part of a nine. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> They're pretty chameleonish when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say this year in particular, um, this year, 2020, uh, with the landscape of what is happening in our country and on this planet, I have seen the nine slash wing eight come out in me, especially on social media, uh, in ways where it's my desire to have hard conversations. And a lot of nines don't want to have those hard conversations. But the reason why I want to have these hard conversations is because I want to be a bridge. I yes. want to see people come together and, um, and I want to see unity. Uh, and so it's never been more evident than in 2020 that, yes, I am 100% a nine. I'm proud to be a nine. Yeah. I'll, I'll stake my nine you know, flag in my front yard. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and honestly, like, I love it because people are, I think, a little bit, um, they, they can get a little confused by my nineness when, because I am mm-hmm. so maybe abrasive in, in some things, um, in some conversations, having really difficult conversations uh, in front of a lot of people, yet keeping calm as I'm having those conversations. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of like been my nine journey uh, and kind of where, where we've landed now. Well, so this is why I was so happy to have this conversation because I'm a nine with an eight wing as well. Okay. And it's just a lot of people don't get us, but I'll be right. honest. Sometimes I don't get myself (laughs) because there's this competing desire inside of, I just want peace. I want inner stability. I want everyone to be okay. What can I do to make that happen? But then there's the other side of me that is like, but something needs to be done. Something needs to be said. But here's the gift of a nine with with an eight wing is we can be that bridge with warmth, compassion, empathy, understanding, if we're willing to speak, if we're willing to mediate in that way and recognize that though conflict is super uncomfortable for us, we're the ones that can be kind of the stronghold, the one to bridge that gap. But it's not necessarily easy, but it's possible and it's and it's super uh powerful when we do. And I feel like that's exactly what space you're entering right now with these hard conversations. Do you agree? I, I, I definitely agree. You know, it's, it's, it's balancing. Um, it's knowing what brings me life is, is being that bridge, but also knowing that I am comfortable stepping into an assertive role, uh, not necessarily being the passive um, in the passive role. Like I I'm totally fine being in the assertive role. Now uh, I, I think again, why I know that the nine is so strong in me is that um, the assertiveness and the difficulty of the conversations isn't what brings me life. Like that's just a part of my DNA. It's something that I know I can do uh, and and that I'm gifted in. What brings me life is on the back end of the hard conversations, uh, bringing people into, uh, I mean, gosh, what brings me life are just the DMs I get from people saying, Carlos, like I was this way, I believed this thing. And because you were so gentle in your approach, I've now I, I've now changed my mind and I'm I'm doing this and so man as a nine there's nothing that brings me more life than um, the immediate satisfaction of seeing people change perspective and uh, it's it's been really um, it's been really fun to see that. Now, was there a time or a moment, a situation, a season where you found your voice that you didn't understand this assertive part of you, but you were able to identify it for the first time? I love that question. Um, yes, because 
before before Enneagram, before I, before I had the gift of the Enneagram to really <laughs> lean into like, oh, this is why I actually for a long time was in a very unhealthy way, sitting all the way into eight, like sitting all the way in uh, my my kind of life, um, uh, not really life, but like what what I what I weighed everything on was a statement that I made up in 2010, and it was to disturb and disrupt people for the sake of them seeing things fresh again. That was kind of my thing. And the disturbing and disrupting was where I poured everything into. Like, I, it was almost like shock jock, Carlos. Like, mm -hmm. it was like this thing. But it never was, it never brought me life. Like, it, that, that part, like, I was good at and um, comfortable in, but it never brought me life. And so the, your question about finding my voice was, I had a voice when I was disturbed and disrupt, Carlos, but the, but the part about for the sake of people seeing things fresh again what was like was like really small. So that was the second half of that statement. Mm -hmm. well, what what I did is now now I've just made the second half of that statement the big the big piece for me. And the disturbing and disrupting, if it has to happen, I'm I'm fine let, making it happen. But that's not the goal. It used to be the goal was just to be that guy. Mm -hmm. um, and man, when, when I uh, when I leaned into um, people feel when I get out walk on stage. Andy Stanley told me this when I was working at North Point. Um, and he said, Carlos, I, I was a worship leader when I at North Point, like in the, you know, 2010, 2009. And he said, the reason why you're such a great worship leader isn't because you're a good singer. He said, it's because when you walk on stage, everybody feels like they're your best friend. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said... It, you can't teach that to anybody. And at that point, I didn't have the Enneagram. I didn't know why. Now sure. I know why. Now I sure. know, you know I, because when I'm talking to people, like, that is the goal. Like, the goal, people do feel super connected to me because I think of the bridge that I build as a peacemaker. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of like when I found my voice. And uh, it's been, it's definitely been a fun journey. Well, it, in light of that being everybody's friend, um, as a, your Enneagram coach team, we have to actually manage that part of Beth. Because yeah. if we interview new team members yeah. uh, or possible new team members, she's so friendly, she'll hire people without realizing oh. it. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh, that is me. Oh my gosh. And it, so literally, funny. I'm not even allowed to be on those first conversations because I'm literally like, this is going to be great. I love this person. Like, we can And they love her. They're immediately connected yeah, like, with her. Like, she, they've been friends it. their entire life. Like, why do we need to, to, to do any other processes? Let's just go, you know? And, and then later it's like, oh, wait, yeah, we missed a huge piece of the puzzle that really yeah. could have saved us a lot of, you know, heartache. But but yeah, and then I think that's the gift of a nine is to see through the lens of all nine types with ease. And that's, that's where we get confused of, am I a type nine or am I a this or am I a that? And all nines are going go to go through that to some degree because yeah. we, and it's not shape-shifting as being inauthentic. We literally mm. feel very authentic for the most part, not if we're really unhealthy, maybe not, but we're really wanting to just be with the other person, whatever type they are, and yeah. to allow them to experience the ease and the receptiveness. Is that even Receptivity. Word? Thank you. Uh, and whatever, what, whatever <laughs> works, right? We'll just kind of like go with it. <laughs> 
and and just having that non-judgmental space that's you know like when i think of it i'm like let's all gather around a table together everyone is equal everyone is heard everyone has a place and that is the gift that we bring the hard part and i'd love to hear a story from you growing up is the hard part for the nine is we can focus so much on welcoming other people that we don't welcome ourselves that we don't especially as kids, we've ignored our own voice and our own passions and our own desires because we've just gone along to get along just to be with everyone else. And we don't even know that we're doing it, but we kind of lost ourselves in that process. Do you have a story that you can kind of reflect back on of just that going along to get along? Yeah, gosh, that's, I feel like, especially when I was a kid, there was like every week I've got a different story, you know, of that, you know, I, um, I, I'm a first, my, my, my dad's a first generation immigrant from Colón, Panama, uh, to America. So he immigrated as a black Panamanian in 1960 um, and w- immigrated to Los Angeles. But then when I was born, uh, he in 1970-something, I won't, I won't give the exact date when I was born. Um, <laughs> we're in that we're we, in that decade too, by the way. <laughs> um, we, we moved, I moved as a young child from Los Angeles to Atlanta. And to, to be a, literally, I was a black kid that didn't speak English, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm, a, I'm black, yeah. strike one. B, I don't speak English, strike two. Man, talk about jumping into, from Jump Street, just just doing what everyone else wanted to do, like mm. constantly. Like when I went to school, like my whole goal was just to make people like me. Yeah. So, because I didn't speak English. So like like now looking back at the nineness in what I, what I did, um, even as, as I learned the language and even as I, um, you know, started realizing things that I like to do, I don't think I I ever did anything that I liked to do until I was probably 20 years old. Mm. I, I, I I would say that everything, even even things that I would do that maybe I kind of liked, it was because somebody else in my circle really liked to do that. And yes. so that was kind of like my thing, you know, and I was like, well, that that's it. Um, and so I would say that those things kind of kind of happened consistently growing up, you know, as 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 a kid. Um, there was one moment though that I'll never forget. And, and this may feel so trivial, you know, for some people, but, um, I, I was at a birthday party and everybody like, like it was like, um, Oh, it was a transformers birthday party. Nice. And, and they, they, like, they split us up between the Autobots and the Decepticons. And I just remember like, like I got put in the Decepticons, but I really like, I loved the Autobots. Like I, I was, I wanted to be an Autobot, like, but I never, ever would have like, challenge that I, I just you know to tell so like I we got split up and I'll just never forget walking up to Miss Sullivan saying Miss Sullivan like I, is there any way I could be an Autobot like I was in tears actually like even with the idea of confronting and asking her like like to be a, I was like I, like I'll be a Decepticon if you want me to but can I please you know like and I just remember like that interaction yes. and how like she was like of course you can be an Autobot she put me with the Autobots and I, I felt this little bit of like well I wonder if like if I can have difficult conversations and, and I can have some things and not just sink into whatever's handed to me. Uh, and so that was, that was a big moment for me. That was like a key moment for me, you know, and it's, it's definitely shifted uh, now, you know, I've definitely leaned into the strength of, of, of the nine, you know, obviously I'm, I'm healthy and in mo- most ways I'm, I'm definitely unhealthy in some ways, but um I mean, I, I know what I want now. I know what I like and I, I go, I go after it. Yeah. Just curious. We did a series, uh, on superpowers and superheroes and all the types resonate with all kinds of different superheroes. So it's not consistent, but was there a particular Autobot that you really liked? 
I don't remember the names. I'm, I know I did. I did have a favorite one. And um, I, I wonder if in some ways it was kind of the the hero type nine or you saw a uh, bit of nineness. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. Why would a nine want to be a Decepticon? They were the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think that's such a powerful story. And like you do said, you even know what we're talking yes, about. I okay. do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do and I don't. I'll be honest. Sure. Like yeah, I, yeah. I get the gist. No, I did not watch Transformers growing up, but you um, missed out, Beth. You missed out. Yeah, I'm sure I did. But what why that's such a powerful story is that, you know, a lot of people, like you said, see you as another type, maybe a seven or or even an eight or who knows what, you know, a two. Um, but a lot of that is stemmed out of the healthiness of the nine with an eight wing. And yeah. the fact that you at that young age were able to know that there was a part of you that wanted something, but the nine is so scared of conflict, mm. of someone being upset yeah. with them, especially direct conflict, like her being disappointed in that you said something. Because the message that the nine thinks they're hearing as children is don't assert yourself. Had she said anything remotely like, how dare you, you know, oh. any anything of that camp, you would have just shriveled up yeah and just like but I love that story and that she encouraged it or she accepted it and so that's that and that's the goal for us nines is to wake up to who God has created us to be our passions our desires now obviously we're still really great at moving towards one another um, Uh and to go along to get along when appropriate but to not do it to the detriment of ourselves and our relationships Um, okay so let's talk about since people are like, okay, well, what is a nine? So with the Enneagram, it's always about the core motivations, why we do what we do, not the outward behaviors, not like when Carlos looks like he's the, you know, the party guy and, you know, the socialite with everyone. That's not what we're talking about. So as a nine, the core fear of the nine is to be in conflict, tension of any kind, discord, being overlooked, shut out, or having any kind of inharmonious relationship. That's what we're trying to avoid and prevent. We desire inner stability, peace of mind, and harmony. But the core weakness of the nine is sloth. And sloth is not about physical laziness, especially, you know, like you and I, we might actually not look like that all the time. Now we do like our cozy comforts for sure. But sloth is is a not knowing ourself. It is living in an idealistic world and just going along to get along, you know, instead of stating what we want, what we, what our passions are, what our gifts are and going for it. A lot of times we will negate ourselves in order to keep what we think is peace. And in fact, it's not, you know, it's false peace. Mm -hmm. Um, But the longing of our heart as a type nine is to hear that your presence matters. So in saying all that, what, what parts of that really stick out the most to you? Gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I want to cry hearing that because it, you know it, it just it speaks to my to, to the innermost part of of who I am. Um, especially, you know, I'm I'm running everything you're saying through kind of the current season that we find ourselves in. So if if you're listening to this podcast and it's 2021, sometime like like we just <laughs> had a presidential election that happened, and so I'm having a lot of difficult conversations um, in public. And th- again, the eight part of me doesn't doesn't fear that. Yeah. Um, but, but there's been way more than normal. Normally I'm really good at getting people to the other side, getting mm-hmm. people across the bridge in the last couple of weeks. There's just been people that, and this is the part I hate where, um, 
it's just not going to happen. Like the, the peace isn't going to be made. The bridge isn't going to be crossed. And the agony, the level of agony that is that that is in the depths of my stomach when I realize this person is not, I, I can't do it. Like I, I feel like a super nine, like a superhero nine. Like I can I can get everybody across the bridge. I can make peace with everybody. But I, we're just happening to be in this season right now where it's just that's not going to be the case yeah. every single time. And and I'm I'm probably um, I've probably been more upset in the last six months than I have than I have been ever. Um, mm-hmm. Just just as far as like just sad. I'm just sad that that I can't get these uh, that I can't make the peace happen. That I can't get you know people to. Um, uh, to get along that I can't, you know, even, even in, in non-public conversations, even in like personal conversations, mm-hmm. there's just a lot more, um, strife. There's yeah. a lot more rough edges than I'm used to, you know, being around and sitting in. And so I was actually having a conversation with a, a, a fellow nine at my gym yesterday. And, um, she just was like, Carlos, like, like, this is the hard. This has been the hardest year for me. Like mm. as a nine, like like this has just been the most difficult year for me because I can't seem to, I can't seem to make my soul connect the way it's been connecting before, you know. Yeah. And so, I you know I understand you know when I hear those things, um, it makes me want to continue to dig in and uh, and and get healthier because I hear you say those things. I'm like, man, there are a lot of things that are still really unhealthy with 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 me mm-hmm. and with with the insides of. Um, and, and even with motivations, I feel like a lot of my motivations it, as a nine start to get distorted as well when, when I'm unhealthy and when, when there's a lot of conflict around me. Yeah. Um, I may be good at resolving conflict, but I don't think I'm very good at when conflict lasts a long time. Yeah. And so that, that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out right now. You know, we, um, every type faces this challenge when this style of interpreting and relating to the world has its limitations. And we're confronted with the reality that, well, we're going to need someone outside of us to help us with this. And, you know, that's why recovery works that way that you to recognize you've come to your end, and that there's a higher power that can help you. And, and we know that, I mean, that is an echo of the truth of the gospel. So whenever you're facing this challenge and the core longing of the nine that that your voice matters, you were created to do good works that God is you are his workmanship and he is going to finish the work and you have a role in this story of his kingdom advancing nation wow. to nation. Um, but you're confronted with the reality that your nineness, your giftedness, your strengths as a nine have it has its limitations. Yeah. How have you found the truth of the gospel to bring you internal peace and rest? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, my basic desire is for peace of mind. I was peace of my soul. Um, and, you know, for me, the gospel, John 10, 10 specifically, um, that, that a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and not, there's not a period after life. This is life and habit to the full life and habit with abundance. I think, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of people that I, I know a lot of sevens that, that read that verse and they think life to the full, like, <laughs> right? party, right? Like, 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 but but as a nine, how I interpret that verse is no. Even in the midst of my trials, yeah. even in the midst of my trauma, I get life to the full. Yeah. So so for me, that's that peace that passes all understanding. You know, um, it, scripture says that peace is like a river. It doesn't say peace is like a puddle, right? right? And so like I think I think a lot of nines want a puddle. 
You know, we, we just want this no no moving water. No, it's going to move. And so for me, gosh, the gospel is the thing that recenters me back to the peace uh, that I may be, you know, if I'm not centered into the gospel, I'm going to go try to find that peace in a whole bunch of unhealthy places. Yeah. Um, the gospel is what has allowed me to really look at maybe the unhealthy places like medicators, right? That that a nine may may go to mm-hmm. and look at these medicators and and an unhealthy nine will will just medicate with those things. Um, or maybe a, a non-gospel centered nine would do that. But for me, I've got to continue to go to the gospel to say, this is where I'm going to find the acceptance that maybe a human being is not going to provide for me. Yep. This is going to find the peace that maybe a human being is not going to is not going to give me. And it just always works. Like it just always works. And so again, yep. John 10 tens for me, uh, not talking about life to the full, like a party, right. but life to the full in the midst of 2020. Yeah. Right. So like even in the midst of 2020, like that, that life to the full, that life with abundance, that peace that passes all understanding is still available to me. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of um, piggyback on what you were saying, just to let nines understand why this, and, and for others that are in relationship with nines, why this season is so hard is nines pick up the the energy in a room or the energy in our nation. Like we feel it and we don't necessarily oh. always want to, unless it's peaceful and, and kind and, and everything, but we will, we absorb it. And, and so even if uh, we are trying to make peace when we see that there is no peace. Yeah. We feel that at our gut level and it's exhausting. Um, and that's where coming back to the truth of the gospel saying, Lord, there is no peace on earth as of right now, or it's really difficult, but you have your, you've won the victory. Peace is coming. Uh, peace is in my heart because you're there. And, and the wrestling of that is super hard. But when we can get to that fixating our eyes on Christ, the, our true peace, we yeah. can then walk through difficulties to still bridge the gap for people to experience peace the best that we can, even if it's not necessarily going to happen. And so the right. interesting thing is that the nines can be the strongest on the Enneagram. And yeah. when they understand where peace really comes from, because we're trying so hard on earth. We're trying so hard to bridge these gaps with people. But if yeah. we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the true yes. peace, true, true shalom, then yeah. it's, it's, we will plow a path like an elephant does, but a peaceful path. Like we are coming and we are going to speak and we have something to say. And that's kind of how I see you, what God has called you to in having the gift with the eight in there is to yeah. say the hard things. The hard part is that that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to always experience the peace that you're longing for because yeah. God's calling you to disrupt the waters enough so that people can think differently and to um, come back to Jesus in a whole new and a fresh way. Yes, that is so. Are you are you a professional of this or something? That was. <laughs> that, that I, was I, I think so... I'm speaking to myself, right? Because I am a knight. <laughs> you're speaking to yourself, which means you're speaking to me. Exactly. Too, that is that is exactly it. You know, like I. It, it's so funny. Again, I, I go back to my Instagram because that's kind of where I live as this nine wing eight on a daily basis, right? For a bunch of people to see. And and after the after the elections happened uh, this last week, um, I was I was silent on there for about twenty four hours. And I I'm telling you, it was not less than five hundred people that would would DM me, DM me saying, Carlos, we're waiting for you to mm-hmm. make us feel better. Like like when are you going to post the post, right? And so like that's exactly what you're talking about. Like yeah. I I had to like sit back. 
ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words that that will bring peace to so many people that are so distraught. Again, on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. That, that's the beautiful thing about about uh, what I feel like a nine can do. And and then and then I did, and I put it out there, and sure enough, that the the one three paragraphs that I wrote was shared over 170,000 times. People on the left and the right were both coming, you know, talking about, oh, this is what we want, this is what we need, and um, and so that's that's why I can really resonate with what you're saying, like. It's hard. I do feel yeah. the weight of it all, but when push comes to shove, like I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to plow it. Yes. Um, and um, and yeah, I've got the strength to plow it. And I feel like a lot of people may look at nines and, and feel like, oh, you guys don't, you know, you you, you guys aren't, aren't strong enough to like plow these things, these roads, you know, forge ways. But no, we are, and we can, yeah. and we do. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm proud of that that part of who I am. Well, I think the the biggest challenge for me, and I've told my team this, the um, when you don't see me on Instagram as much, especially Insta stories, it's yeah. because I'm battling internally with the thought, my voice doesn't matter. Yeah. Like yeah. who really cares? Like, isn't it? I mean, really, does anyone want to listen to this? You know? And, and yeah. I, and I just kind of believe, yeah, that's not true. The message don't assert yourself. Now, logically, I know that's not true, but I'm wrestling internally with the truth that God has called me yeah. to speak in a very specific way, not in all the ways in the world, but in this specific um, area and to show up. But it's so hard to show up sometimes um, to, to battle those internal thoughts. But each type has their own things that they're battling. But I think for us nines, when when people see us stand up so strongly and uh, definitively, especially in the midst of conflict, what they need to understand is how taxing and exhausting it is on us and yet yeah. at the same time a great privilege and honor as well and oh, I love that. yeah and and so you know and it's not that we need all the kudos in the world but just um i think just the under the lifting up in prayer is really the key like so i i'm i'm honored to have this privilege to speak and to plow a path for others but when there's discord, when there's, when people are upset, when people say negative things about uh, the work that we do, it takes a bigger toll on me internally than I, I would expect. And so I have to do like double time work. I have to go before the Lord, submit myself, allow the the grace and the yes. truth of Christ to uh, give me that strength once again. And so I commend you on really the hard work that you're doing and uh, speaking in these areas of life that are really hard, troubling. They bring in a lot of contention on both sides, but it really does matter to bring all sides together to bring peace. And I, I keep telling my nines in the coaching groups that I'm in, show up. Now is yeah. the time to show wow. up. Yes, it is. It is a time, it's a nine time to shine. <laughs> yes. So with that being said, uh, let our audience know what has God called you to do? Like what are the books? What is the messages? Where can they find you? How has wow. he used your nineness with a strong eight wing to bring the, the message of Christ to others? Yeah, gosh, that that is that that's good. I I feel like um well first of all my the call of my life is um is to help people find freedom, and and that that's that's like the goal like with everything I do. So any if you go from any books to any podcast to anything I talk about on stage, it's always going to help somebody that's in chains in front of me or somebody that's in chains that's reading or listening to me, whatever maybe get out of those chains. And so that that that's going to permeate everything that I do. It permeates um. Absolutely everything that I do. It permeates all the conversations I have with my kids and my wife. Like we just want people to find freedom uh, and and for that to happen. And so, you know, my, my books, uh, especially the last two, 
uh, Kill the Spider and uh, Enter Wild uh, definitely are specifically targeting people that need to find freedom from mm. uh, everything from addiction uh, and and kind of behavioral, uh, I call them cobwebs, mm -hmm. um, to, um, you know, to, to, to anxiety, things that maybe we don't have as much control over. And so helping people find freedom is, is really what, what I'm all about, but that, that's, that's not, you know, that doesn't always look the same way. It doesn't always look like I'm Carlos is going to preach a message mm -hmm. uh, or write about a story of Jesus. Like I'm, you know, I, I have like a, this thing called fit by first. It's a, it's like a fitness weight loss. I've got, oh gosh, last count, 8,000 people that have gone through like my, my, my little fitness course. Right. And again, I'm, <laughs> people find freedom in that i've got a course on anxiety and depression helping people find you know freedom on that and so like again freedom freedom from you know anything that we find ourselves uh in bondage of. but there's something exciting i'd love to you know yes. tell your audience about uh that is coming out in january i'm actually doing a uh, a digital storytelling course so just helping people tell better stories via snapchat instagram whatever it may be online and so that's that's probably the thing that i get the most from like the business community yeah um looking like hey, how can you you know, your movie, your Insta stories are like movies. Like, like, how can I do that? And so like, I'm launching that in January. I'm pretty excited about oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And stories is such a huge part of, you know, just how Jesus communicated to us and, and helped us to understand things. So, well, that's so great. Thanks, Carlos, for one. It's just been a delight having a twin alongside I, me because I, I really don't find very many nines with eight wings that can talk yeah. so, uh, deeply about their gifts and struggles all at the same time. So thanks for one, sharing that with me, but also with our audience and then just the work that you're doing. So keep going, keep trudging forward. It matters. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us guys for these interviews and don't forget to check out our show notes for all the resources mentioned in this episode and join us next week as we discuss the gospel message for each and every Enneagram type. And always remember the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us.